0: At the end of 2018, my wife and I were doing some New Year's kind of prayer and fasting. It's kind of a natural time to just step back, pray, seek the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think it was on like day two of the fast. This is, I'm not even, again, the school is not even really on the radar. It's just, but I hear the Lord say clearly, start the school now. Mm -hmm. And when he said it, I knew it was him. Yeah. And I was kind of like, wow, that's a wild thought. And uh, I think I probably shared it with my wife first, and I called an an older African-American guy in the neighborhood that's a ministry partner and just said, hey, here's what I'm hearing from the Lord. And he said, we need to do this. I've been waiting on kind of someone to get the unction for this, and let's start now. Mm.
1: Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Would you mind leaving us a review today? By leaving a review and rating, it helps others to find us, and it would be a huge help. Using your favorite podcast platform, go to our show and leave a rating along with a review and perhaps... Next week, we will mention you on the show. Calling. It's a question we have discussed on Candid before. How do you know your are calling, and do you have the right calling if you hit roadblocks and opposition? Today, I want to share a conversation I had with a longtime friend of mine, Hammond McKeever. We grew up together, and I have watched him follow the call of God on his life into some difficult places, the hard places, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. However, he truly counts it all joy. Hammond and his wife, Laura, felt called to minister in the inner city of Atlanta. They have ministered to children in the inner city for the past six years. As Hammond and Laura continued to mentor, they realized the children were being left behind by a broken system. Several weren't even able to read, but were still being pushed through the system. The Lord planted a dream in His heart to start a school to help the children thrive first in the Lord and then in their education. You will have to listen to hear how the Lord opened doors and provided so that this dream could become a reality. Hammond has a degree from Reformed Theological Seminary and is a co-founder of Thrive Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. His calling goes beyond giving kids a great education. He's also discipling the kids under his care, teaching them to truly know and walk with Jesus. Today, Hammond and I sit down as he tells us how the Lord God called him and then how he led him from a life of privilege to wanting nothing more than to walk in the path God set before him. I hope you will leave this conversation passionate for the pursuit of God. Now, on to our candid conversation. Well, today my guest is Hammond McKeever, and I've known Hammond for a number of years, but this is the first time we've sat down in this setting uh, to have a conversation, Hammond, thank you for joining us on Candid Conversations.
0: Well, it's a, a real honor and joy to be here, and just so much respect for you and your family and just all the ministry that you guys do, and it's, uh, it's special to get to be here and sit with you all.
1: Thanks, brother. And I've known different members of your family in different uh, times in my life, and so this is uh, a great privilege and a joy for us. Um, Hamid, you run a school called Thrive. We'll come back to that in, in a minute, but I wonder if you could start by telling us a little bit of your personal testimony and then we'll kind of move into sure. your calling from sure, there.
0: Sure, sure. So, I um, grew up in Atlanta, kind of in the Buckhead area, and we were at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. So we. My dad was very kind of committed to us being at church every Sunday, but it didn't get talked about a ton at home. I think a little more of religious kind of attending, but had good Sunday school teachers. And I mean, remember drawing a picture of hell and thinking (laughs) I definitely don't want to be there. So, (laughs) you know, from a a memory that sticks with you. Yeah. In early time, it's kind of that stuff was being planted in me. And I think there were seasons where my family kind of, Probably was more engaged spiritually and in the home, even though I didn't realize that that stuff kind of right. was affecting me. Yeah. And um, STS, a ministry of apostles, definitely had a big impact on me. At yeah. Tucker Yates was leading that ministry, and some of my friends really, I mean, became genuine believers yeah. when I was in middle school. Yeah. And I got pulled in some, and I mean, the Lord started to work in my life. Yeah. And I remember going to a Bible study before school at It that Lansing Lee, I think, was leading. And I found out that my best friend at that time in eighth grade was having a sexual relationship with a, a girl at so young. And that I just knew that's really not good. Right. And then I'm in this Bible study, and I'm sure we had to talk about that. But I remember being in P.E. and telling that friend who was a best friend – Hey, I don't think you're supposed—you shouldn't be doing that. That's not good. You know, God doesn't—and I really stepped out and kind of took a risk. Wow. And I still kind of, like, remember vaguely being ashamed and embarrassed because I got made fun of in the hall. And oh, wow. He told some other friends, and I, I remember that day it was kind of like I made that decision. I'm going to choose fitting in more than— Right, standing out for so Christ. The, the
1: peer pressure had kind of mounted enough to, yeah. to push you in a different direction.
0: Yeah, so I just kind of slowly stopped coming to Bible studies and the cancer didn't show, but it had started. Yeah, And so that same best friend is the one who in high school, ninth grade, you know, started drinking and using substances and I, I'm around and I resisted some, but then I got swept up into that whole kind of... Mm lifestyle and mess and mm-hmm. at war with my parents and yeah. making bad choices but you know still performing academically still performing athletically yeah. my parents you know are coming down on me but it, I'm, I'm they're confused of what to do I mean it got to the point where I was you know drinking and driving stuff like that totaled a couple you cars you underage at this yeah, point yeah yeah completely underage and uh just making kind of more and more risky destructive decisions and um, you know, I was eighteen, graduated high school, was headed to Washington and Lee again, a good college, and you know, people, good job, Hammond. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I mean, the cancer now is in stage four. I mean, I'm I'm lost. Yeah, you know, I'm way far prodigal, kind of. Yeah. And um, I ended up seeing some stuff that summer that shook me kind of to my core, mm-hmm. and you know, it was God's mercy to really get me out of this kind of naive thinking and just having fun and all that. I really kind of was confronted with good and evil. And um, the Lord's work just came back. I remember I didn't eat or sleep for a couple days. I'm just kind of really shaken up. And I pulled back out a Young Life Bible, read God's plan of salvation. The conviction had gotten so unbearable. Yeah. That I saw that kind of my own sin and evil, hmm. and I just said I want out. Yeah, and Jesus said, I've, "There's a way out." Yeah. So I remember breaking down to my parents, and my mom actually showed me prayers she'd been praying for me, and wow, 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 you know, kind of gave my life to Christ at that moment, and um, ended up the next day going on a thirty day Knowles trip in Wyoming with a Bible, mere Christianity. And then a book my dad gave me, which shows that he was more spiritual than I even right, knew. sure. And it was a book, God Psychiatry, and it was all in Psalm 23. And that Psalm being—and I just got—the Lord did a special work. I'm camping in Wyoming for yeah. 30 days, reading the Bible, praying, just kind of having this really unique— Surrounded by God's creation. Yeah, oh, you know, seeing yeah. caribou, and yeah. I got one big time to the Lord, and so— went to college, and... Your trajectory was completely oh changed. Oh, my so, goodness. So that's right
1: before going off to university. Yeah. Okay, so what, what was sort of university life like? I mean, because you, you think... You know, you're the kid that parties in high school. You're going to go to University College, and then you know, yeah, that's I mean, just going to be exponentially no, more
0: so. And Washington Lee is kind of known for being like a top party school, yeah. which is part of where my sure. cancerous self said, right. "Ooh, I want to be there." <laughs> okay, and I can so fit in with those people. yeah, so I, I get there as a new creation, yeah. or at least renewed. And um, thankfully, there was a ministry Ruf, yeah. and that was existing. And so got introduced to that yeah. and um, really got discipled. There was an yeah. intern that discipled me pretty regularly. Wow. And I, I think the first big discipleship moment that I hit, well, there was a couple, but one of the ones that just stands out to me is w is like 92% Greek, I right. think. So, it, I mean, everyone's in that Greek system, partying, yeah. all the pressure, all that. Yeah. And um, anyways, a guy discipling me, I remember him coming to my dorm room and saying, I've been praying for you, and I want to share with you why I think you shouldn't join a fraternity. And he just read to me from Psalm 1, blesses a man who's not walking the counsel of the wicked or standing in the seat of scoffers, and, you know, also just kind of said the Greek system is opposed to the kingdom. Yeah, The Greek system says, I'll accept you for this and that reason, and, yeah. Yeah. you know, these people are in and those people are out, yeah. but, you know, he just presented how that's just antithetical. Mm. To the way the kingdom works and the gospel works. Mm, mm. And so, I was so free at that time and so in love with Jesus at that time that it became this really special, I mean, I think the Holy Spirit, I didn't know at the time, but the Holy Spirit was really pressing on me to make that choice. And I had some Christians tell me you need to join the fraternity. This is suicide. Right. And then right. I think maybe some family saying, hey, for business, you need to, you know, yeah, this is kind of, this and, is not what we yeah. thought was going to, you know, you were going to do. It's great that you became a Christian, but... It, think, yeah, think ahead, is, you know? yeah. 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 So I just, you know, I was in a time where I was getting to, you know, really spend time with the Lord. And uh, anyways, I made that choice to not join. And that that was a, a real cutting off the hand of that idol of social acceptance. And I remember going to the um, cafeteria, the pledge night, and it was me and like nine or ten other freshmen that were so different from people I would have ever connected to. And I remember in that moment experientially getting to experience that, God, you are enough. Yeah. And who I am in you, that's viable. Mm -hmm. And the Lord took that and just used it to really deepen his work in me. I think it's one of the best decisions I've I've ever made. And uh, God just built on that, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Well, transitioning from that to a calling, God's called you to himself, right? So there's this salvation aspect we just talked about. But then he's called you to... Specific work, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the things that he's ministries doors that he's open. Yeah.
0: You. So I kind of end of college was unsure what I was going to do. You know, both my brothers were in business. My yeah. dad had had started an insurance agency here. Was thinking about that, but I had gotten to do a lot of ministry at WL, and anyways, got encouraged to pursue the internship to do kind of. Explore a calling to preaching and, and pastoring and whatnot. So that was at the time a faith step to do that. Yeah. And uh, so kind of felt led to do that and, and did that and had to raise support and went to Ole Miss and was an intern there with that campus ministry RUF. Yeah. And um, I had my first chance to preach. And what I say is I you know have shared before it went too well. <laughs> okay. I, I realized you know God had given a gift. Yeah. And the response was, uh, I really didn't know what to do with that. Yeah. And I was young in ministry. You know, I've been a believer, a serious believer now for four or five years. And so, I didn't know it at the time, but another cancer, I would say, Mm. kind of had started that I wouldn't know about until a year and a half later. And um, I had a friend... Fast forward a year and a half, a guy, Robert Thrasher, come down to support me in preaching. And in the Lord's mercy, I preached a dud. I mean, it just – he allowed me to really preach a bad sermon. Yeah. And I remember just going out to dinner with my friend after and, and really being depressed. Yeah. And my friend kind of, you know, being a good mirror and saying, hey, you just got to talk about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Something's not yeah. – right, you know, yeah, something's, right. something's off, something's not yeah. right. Yeah. I wake up the next day and realize something's something's wrong. Yeah. Somehow I've I've gotten off track. Right. And that that started some repentance in me and again, you know, really just recognizing okay, there's an idol here mm-hmm. that's kind of come in of yeah. being identified by the gifts yeah. and That's right. <laughs> so that just kind of started a journey for me of what, you know, how do I severely deal with that. The Holy Spirit convicted me of how wrong that is, and I had seen that in my boss a little bit, and so I was seeing it there, and then now seeing it in me, and that same friend Robert had started a homeless ministry in Athens Mm. two years before called Athens PB&Js. And so, with the internship, they were encouraging me to go to seminary after, hey, we affirm your calling, we affirm your gifting. Sure. You know, they lined me up with a church in Texas, book stipend, salary, kind of all this, you know, really seemingly appealing. Yeah, yeah. And, but I'm sitting with this, like, I know something's wrong. Like, that's not going to help my cancer. It's right. going to get worse. Yeah, it's, it's like eating sugar. Feed it, yeah yeah. 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 And so, I had opened up to a pastor in Atlanta a guy, Walter Henninger, and shared some of this stuff with me. And. I think the idea had been born in me. I think seeing my friend Robert and that idea of the least of these and whatever you do to them, you've done to me. And some of those parables that people get to heaven and, you know, what did you do for the least of these? And Mm. that just, you know, I love to preach and teach, but I just, I, you know, I think maybe from being from Buckhead, just had an aversion to that level of helplessness and brokenness and... It just was so unfamiliar, and and I I think my value system was still culturally shaped. and yeah. But Walter had a heart for the poor, which I didn't realize, mm. and so he gave me a couple books, and I really just started to read and entertain this idea of what if I, instead of going to seminary and taking this church job, try to kill this idol by going and working in a place that... I'm unknown. <laughs> right, it's
1: gonna. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> the preaching. The opposite direction. Yeah, right. yeah, really going. You yeah. know, kind of
0: like again, like this severe. Yeah. And um, the Holy Spirit started saying, "Yeah," and I started getting excited and started getting confirmation wow. and started. I went back to Ole Miss and started exploring what was going on in that city for Mercy Ministry, and it yeah. turned out there was a lot of neat stuff. And I remember driving around in a, in a cop car with this guy who went to our church. And he said, let me show you all the rough places in Oxford. And Oxford is this beautiful college town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I realized I had been on about five streets, and that's where I spent all my time. The the unseen parts of the city. Yeah, you drove me around. I said, oh, my God. And there's apartment complexes where it's utter poverty, and no kid has a dad. Yeah. And there are stories of this and that going on that are just like kind of gut-wrenching. So, it just, God was doing so much at that time. And so, anyways, I I, I went on a vision trip to Dallas, Texas, because I, I still did kind of want to go to seminary, because I, I did have a desire for that. Sure. Sure. And so, I I went and looked for a, a inner-city ministry there, and ended up finding one. I met this guy, Mike Fetchner, that I had never been around someone mm. and felt the Lord's presence like I did around this man. Mm. And the way he, when he spoke... Mm. There was such a presence of God to his, and he had been serving in an inner-city neighborhood for maybe 20 years. Yeah. And getting to meet all the people that were a part of that ministry. And yeah. they, they had a house in the neighborhood where a young guy, Brandon, lived and worked with the kids. And I was just like, wow, you know, seeing it. And and the Lord just opened that door. It was a wide-open door. And they, after after a weekend trip, they had invited me to come and work with them. And so I jumped in and uh, that was 2011 yeah. and um, I remember the first kid that I, I got close with, he was on a cross-country team and I ran with him and seeing the Lord work in his heart. Mm-hmm. And then I remember we had to go to his house for something Yeah. and we walked inside and his mom is like strung out on crack on the couch, I see a roach on the wall, it smells bad. And I just, my heart just mm. sank. Mm. Mm. And at that moment, I knew God, mm. like, this is where I belong. Because, yeah. I mean, again, I'd been reading God's heart for the fatherless, for the orphan, for the widow, for the poor, yeah. all the Old Testament stuff on justice. And and then, you know, you get into a situation. and Yeah, it just, I mean, it just world, came yeah. so alive. Yeah. Um, so that's that was kind of the call into inner city type work. Yeah. And then since then it's been maybe ten years. So there's different stories of kind of how he's called me into this and that and, and Thrive has its own unique story. Yeah. 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 So
1: well tell us a little bit about that. So Thrive is it's Thrive Academy. Yeah. It's a school. Is it just a school or are there other sort of branches of the ministry? Yes.
0: One thing that's unique about it is it's a boarding school like a Macaulay, a Darlington, a Woodbury the thought was, why can't something like that exist that's accessible for low-income families that really need it, where yeah. kids are in, like, dire situations? Right. right.
1: Yeah, because, you know, for, for our international audiences, they'll understand a, a boarding school, right? So that's usually for elite people who come from wealth yes. and can afford to send their kids to live on a campus and sort of be taken care of from that aspect with lots of fees. Yes, yeah, expensive. (laughs) So this is at the other end of the spectrum, but with the same sort of structure in place.
0: Yeah, and with the idea of um, Christian growth being at the heart of, if you take someone and put them in an environment, we call the boarding pieces a greenhouse for spiritual growth. Mm. You could take a plant that's in bad soil, doesn't get the right, uh, sunlight because yeah. there's trees or vines Locking. and yeah, yeah. never gets water you know if a plant in the wrong situation just can't grow. Right. But if you put it into a greenhouse yeah. all of a sudden night Thrive. and day. Yes. So that was that was kind of part of the idea. Um I would love to share a little bit yeah, please. about kind of how yeah, how yeah. that Calling really formed, yeah. Because it is spe- it's special to me, and it's fun to remember. And yeah, but um. So for the boarding piece, I was doing a mentor program at the time, trying to match kids with one-on-one mentors, mm. and had been doing that for a couple of years. And we did summer camp stuff. And these are inner-city kids yeah, in, in Atlanta. Yeah, in Atlanta. Okay. So we we're trying to be a bridge between Bankhead and Buckhead, and kind of bring mentoring and yeah. discipleship, one-on-one, and just kind of seeing the Lord in that way. Yeah, and um. Anyways, we, we took a summer camp trip, and this was maybe two or three years in, and a guy worked with Danny Iverson. We kind of knew all the kids were in trauma and going through really tough stuff, mm. but Danny had the idea of, let's do a pain circle where we come together, mm. and it's a chance for some emotional healing to happen as kids share mm. some of the stuff they're carrying and they've been going through, yeah. and it's kind of a safe place to do that. Yeah. And so we did that. I didn't know how it was going to go. Our kids are going to feel like they can talk about stuff. Yeah. I mean, we had really close relationship with them, but it's hard for anyone to open I mean, up. Publicly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like, huh, I wonder how this will go. You know, two hours later, kids are weeping. They're in staff's arms. I mean, it's like a boo-hoo. And the story I came home and told my wife was um, one of the kids that I was close with – You know, it's his turn to share, and he said, the night before camp, my mom's boyfriend pulled a gun on my mom, and then he just starts boo-hooing, and his 10-year-old brother starts shrieking. This is not
1: the world you grew up in.
0: Yeah, and this is so, like, I love these kids. Yeah. To think that that's going on in their home, it rocked me, and I came home, and I, I couldn't shake. That experience in the scripture that the Holy Spirit gave me as I was kind of just spending time with the Lord was, Mm. if you see your brother naked and without clothing, without food, and you just pray for them, you haven't loved – yeah, what have you done kind of? And so for us, for me, it was like, okay – we love these kids and we're giving them word ministry and we're doing this kind of stuff. But and
1: now you've had a little insight but, into what yeah, they're I mean, going here's through.
0: Here's kind of what's going on. Mm. And so that was when the, the, the desire was born in me mm. to offer some kind of housing. And it wasn't a school yet, but just this idea of like, what if we had a ministry house mm. that kids could live in mm. and be discipled and be in a st- structured environment and kind of – just have their environment totally change Hmm. so that Christ can kind of be born in them and formed in them. And uh, so that was kind of the housing piece. So in a discipleship group I was doing with, I had five middle school kids that I had gotten close with. And um, it turns out that three of them could not read. So this is middle school. They can't read. And we're in America. This is not, I mean, this is, and part of what's unique, and this is kind of God's, uh, providence is, I had dyslexia growing up, Right. and that's a reading disability. Yeah. And my parents called it in pre-K, you know, got the testing done, and then were able to pay thirty grand for me to go to elite skank school, which yeah. has a special Orton-Gillingham. Yeah. Two years later, I can read, I'm back in the school system and able to kind of move forward. and yeah,
1: go to great universities. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: but these kids cannot read or being just pushed through grades by teachers that are not at being held time. accountable yeah. and they're going to go into adulthood unable to read. And so that had created like a unrest in me and a desire to kind of do something about that. Hmm. And, um, and I started kind of doing some stuff at the local public school and there's kids cussing out teachers running around in the hall Getting in fights, you know, police are being called. It's like, okay, I got into this ministry to see kids get saved. Yeah. And not just raise your hand, I believe in Jesus now, but I want to see them mature in Christ. That's my heart, my goal, my desire. And if whatever we have to do for that to happen, that's what we're going for. Yeah, yeah. And so that was.
1: You almost have to get them out of that environment. Yeah. Yes. It's to your greenhouse. Image that you've given us. There's bigger trees that are blocking the light. There's the kudzu, yeah. overgrowth. They, they, it, 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 it will be Lucas, nearly impossible to thrive in that environment. Yes, right. yeah.
0: This is all kind of stirring in my heart and mind. All you know, and the mentor program is gro- going well, and God's moving, um, but all this other stuff is kind of in my heart and mind, and so. And at the end of 2018, my wife and I were doing some New Year's kind of prayer and fasting. You know, it's kind of a natural time to just step back, pray, seek the Lord. Mm. And I think it was on like day two of the fast. This is, I'm not even, again, the school is not even really on the radar. It's just, but I hear the Lord say clearly, start the school now. Mm. And... When he said it, I knew it was him. Yeah, And I was kind of like, wow, that's a wild thought. And uh I think I probably shared it with my wife first. And I called an older African-American guy in the neighborhood that's a ministry partner and just said, hey, here's what I'm hearing from the Lord. And he said, we need to do this. I've been waiting on kind of someone to wow. get the unction for this wow. and let's start now. Mm. And... Um, we started to pursue it. We took three kids, the three dyslexic kids that were in that discipleship group. My mom had taught at Skank. Yeah. So, she started doing some work with them, the Orton-Gillingham stuff that I had gone through. Yeah. And they started to learn to read,, wow. and so they're in a house you know during the school day, doing this Orton Gillingham stuff. I'm coming over and doing a devotion in the morning, you know, and they're in a safe little environment and starting to grow and And so we felt like, okay, that we kind of have something, yeah, and it was really neat because towards the end of that semester, we were feeling like, okay, we want to kind of do take this a little further, yeah and the the co-founder that African American gentleman he ended up finding us free space at the Arthur Blank YMCA. Wow. So state of the art facility, they want us in there for free. I mean, I remember walking in, they said, "Do you need this room? Do you want that room?" I mean, all new Mac computers, STEM lab. Wow. And it's literally the you know, just being Available. kind of given. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they, by the way, would you we have a lunch service. Would you like us to do your lunch? All for free, which is just, you know, such a fun experience of seeing God move as we step out in faith. And so, and then we ended up, you know, met this other woman that had a heart to start a school, and we sat down with her and had some similar kind of heart and vision, Mm -hmm. and she had connected with this really neat scholarship agency, Rete Scholars, and so we reached out to them. And again, I mean, just the war moving, mm. they wanted to partner and were able to gift like 4000 a student in scholarship money. Mm. So, all of a sudden, everything is set, Yeah, and we jump into that next fall with, I think, 20 kids wow. at the Arthur Blank YMCA. Wow, wow, wow. You know, and just, and I'm, I mean, the first year I'm driving the bus, I'm teaching a class, I'm trying to raise, you know, support, you know, it was a a wild kind of year. And, you know, not without some definite kind of a lot of learning and, but um, seeing the Lord impact kids' lives and just really getting to kind of be led by God daily. And, you know, as a result, of kind of just staying humble and staying listening. Mm -hmm. God has kind of grown Thrive into what it is today.
1: I want to end the first part of my conversation with Hammond here. He has so much more to share, and we don't want you to miss it. So listen next week when Hammond unpacks more of the incredible story of what God has been doing through Thrive Academy. Together we will discuss questions like, how can I get involved in the community? Can I make a difference when I'm just one person? And what do I do when I face persecution trying to live out God's calling? Please join us next week as we wrap up this Candid Conversation. Advent is such a special season in the church calendar, and there is an Advent special going on at ltw.org right now. My dad has just released a new four-part Advent devotional that I think will really bless you and your family this Christmas. It's available this month for your gift of any amount, and it's a vibrant resource highlighting the incredible, overarching narrative of Scripture, striking comparisons between the first and second comings of Christ and more. If you're looking for new ways to celebrate and reflect on Christ this Advent season with friends and family, head on over to ltw.org or click the link in the show notes to request your copy for a gift of any amount.